Good morning, Game Changers. It's great to have you with us today. I just want to welcome all of our new visitors and guests who might be joining us here online for the first time. We would love to connect with you. You can drop by our website and click on the Contact Us tab, or you can comment in the section below, and we would love to just get any information to you that you might need about Life Church X or questions that you might have. A couple other announcements I want to just give you by way of reminder. Our youth groups from both campuses will be joining this Friday night for an ice skating event, so I know a bunch of the young students are looking forward to that. Also, uh, if you were with us last week, you probably recall that I announced our launch of our brand new website. I want to invite you to go out and surf around and check out all the new resources, the growth resources, all the things that are out there that we'll be getting a little bit more into detail about uh, next week when we kick off Vision Month. Hey, can I just say I love to give to the Lord. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3 that if we trust the Lord with our first fruits of all of our increase, that he'll overflow our barns with plenty, overflowing. Hey, I love the promises of God and his word that come to those who trust the Lord in the tithe as much as anybody, but frankly, it's just a joy to give. I love bringing my tithe and offering to the Lord and to advance his work through his kingdom here on earth. God uses us to accomplish things like that. When we give, it supports the vision of advancing God's work uh, through his church, and it's a joy to do that. It's just a more peaceful way to live, knowing that God is my provider, that I've put that in his hands and I trust him with that, than trying to rely on myself. I want to encourage you today, if you're maybe struggling with or wondering if you can trust the Lord in this area of tithing, and, and giving your first fruits to him, man, he is always faithful, and he even tests us in his word to, to step out and trust him and see what he won't do in response to that faithful heart. Obviously, there's multiple ways you can give, and you've probably seen those on the screen by now, uh, all of the different options that make it easy to bring the tithe and offering here at Life Church X. I'm super excited to get back to in-person services next weekend, and we will be kicking off Vision Month. As you know, we delayed the start to our vision series a couple of weeks ago, and we'll be diving into that next weekend in both of our campuses. And I want to ask you a question. We've been asking this since the beginning of this year. Uh, Is this going to be the greatest year of growth that you've ever had? We're challenging everyone to make that commitment and really go after that in 2022. Here we are halfway through January, and I just want to ask you a few things. Have you set aside more time in prayer and worship and just intimate time with the Lord, with just you and Him, to hear His voice and to worship Him and to just spend time in prayer? Have you been able to set aside time to read the Bible and study His Word Uh, more diligently since this year began? Have you made a commitment that you're going to open up space and time and, and persistence in your schedule to build and cultivate godly relationships? And have you made a commitment that you're going to use your gifts and talents to serve the Lord in new ways and at new levels this year? These are things we have to have intentionality about. Growth doesn't happen accidentally. We have to 
follow principles that the Bible gives us that are conducive to a life of growth and development. And if we do throughout the course of this year, I believe all of us will be able to say, looking back, this was the greatest year of spiritual growth that I've ever had. And that's the direction I kind of want to go today a little bit before we get into our vision series, really is talking about this passion that I have Uh, to raise up effective leaders, to grow and develop effective leaders in the body of Christ, but frankly, that are going out to be effective leaders in our society and in our world and our culture around us. And there are a lot of things that we could talk about whenever we get into the subject of effective leadership, many principles and many things that we could discuss. But I don't know that there are any more paramount and prominent than, it, than the idea of being a servant leader in the kingdom of God. Servant leadership. You know, in some, I guess, teachings or some philosophies, that those two words, servant leadership, would be considered an oxymoron, right? People would say, hey, leaders have people serving them. But let me tell you something, not in the kingdom of God. Those two words are not only compatible, they are necessary to go together. Servant leadership. People want to follow people who have their best interest in heart and who want to serve them and who love them and care for them. And this is the kind of leadership that Jesus compels us to. I was just starting off this year with my kids doing a leadership study through the first or through this second half of the school year, we're going to go into depth about what it means to be a leader. And uh, I love John Maxwell and have studied his material for years and years. And one of the things he discusses is how we could be a leader by position and people simply follow us because of a title, but that only goes so far. But great leaders know how to touch people's hearts. They know how to serve the people that they're leading And it goes from position to permission. People want to follow them uh, because they're choosing to. They're making the willful effort to do that. And I just want to encourage you that is a much better way to lead and to influence people uh, for Jesus Christ is through servant leadership. And really, it's the only way that Jesus lays out for us. And so let's do this. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And we'll open with a few verses. This is a a story that most of you have probably heard, probably have read before. It's a story of when Jesus does this crazy thing that his disciples never see coming. They, They can't believe he's doing it. And he gets down and he washes their feet. Remember, we're we're gonna be talking about servant leadership today. It says this, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel that he was girded with. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Hey, let's pray before we go any further. 
Holy Spirit, we're asking for your divine guidance and illumination into your word. We're asking for your eyes to see what you want us to see and ears to hear what you want us to hear. I pray that, God, you would speak to us in such a way that our leadership would be improved and increased, our influence and impact would be improved and increased to make a greater difference in this world for you. Help us to just uh, feast upon the truth of your word that nourishes us and leads us and guides us in how we are to go about these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, these verses are great. I love the way Jesus responds to Peter. He says, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but you're going to very soon. I use this approach with my kids sometimes. You know, there are times where it makes sense to explain what you're doing along the way, and it's helpful. There are other times when they're asking questions, and my response is more of one where I say, let me finish what I'm doing and then I'll explain it to you. Then it's going to make more sense once this lesson is complete. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, Peter, let me finish what I'm doing, and then I'm going to teach you a really, really important lesson. What is that lesson? What is that lesson? And that's going to be the title of today's message, The Great Ones Serve. Jesus is getting ready to take them into a lesson about servant leadership it's probably the greatest kind of lesson and demonstration that we will ever be able to draw from. Him, our king, getting down and washing the feet of his disciples. Let me ask you this before we go any further. Do you want to go higher in your leadership this year? Do you want to make a bigger impact? Do you want more influence? Do you want to make a bigger difference in this world for God? Do you want to really climb in your purpose in 2022? I hope you do. But I have to tell you, this lesson that we're talking about today of servant leadership is absolutely critical that we get a hold of and understand. If we're going to move in our influence and our impact for God, we're going to have to look at what we're doing through the eyes and the lens of a servant, the way Jesus calls us to. And so we move on here into these next few verses, and we see this, verses uh, 8 through 10. Peter said to him, obviously Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered to him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. And so before we go further into unpacking this lesson about servant leadership, we need to pause for a moment and observe an overarching spiritual truth that's very, very significant. Uh, I love Peter's response here because he says, first of all, no, you're not washing my feet, Jesus. And then Jesus says, Peter, if I don't wash you, you can have no part with me. And then Peter's like, well, then just go ahead and pour it over my head and my body and everything else. I mean, Peter's ready for a bath now in response to Jesus. Uh, but Jesus says, no, you know, Peter, that's not necessary. Those who are already clean do not need to be bathed. It's just your feet that I'm going to wash. What's he trying to get at and what's he trying to say? 
Part of the indication that we have here, or the clue we have here, is his comment about not all of you. And we know from the scriptures later he's referring to Judas, meaning Judas has not really put his faith and trust in the Lord. His heart has not been uh, given over and submitted to Jesus. But the rest of them have. And he's saying that if you've been bathed, that means that you've been spiritually cleansed on the inside. You've been forgiven of your sin. You've been spiritually cleansed and regenerated. You're a born-again believer when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, and salvation sets in at that point. He says, no, you don't have to keep going through that process all over again, but you do, even if you've been bathed, need to have your feet washed, which is another form of cleansing. His feet were dirty from the journey that they'd been on, from walking daily. And so the concept that Jesus is getting at here is once we have our uh, hearts born again, once our spirit has been given new life, this isn't a process we have to go through over and over again. Our salvation is secured, but the washing of the feet is a symbol of sanctification. It means we really still have to keep coming back to the Lord and saying, hey, I've messed up here or I've erred here. Lord, forgive me. And there's this washing, this cleansing that continues on through the, through the dirt that we get uh, caught up in in the daily walk of life. Is that making sense? And so he makes this really important point to Peter. And I just felt like somebody needed to hear that today. That when you've given your heart to Jesus Christ and he's forgiven you of your sin and you're made a new creation in him, you're, you're not coming back and forth and in and out of this uh, approach of getting your salvation back and then losing it, getting it back and losing it. The Lord wants you to know that you have the assurance of your salvation. But we absolutely need to have a tender heart that's coming back to Jesus regularly and saying, Lord, I'm convicted, I know I've messed up. Or maybe it's, Lord, just inspect me and show me where I've erred because I want to get rid of anything that I'm carrying that I've done that's against your will or your ways, Lord. It's the posture of the disciple, of the follower of Christ. And uh, I wanted to open this up before we got into more on servant leadership so that we understand Jesus is saying, you've got to know me, you've got to be washed and cleansed by me if you're going to walk with me. So for us to really hear this lesson on servant leadership, which is a challenging path, we've got to first embrace Jesus as our teacher, as, as the master that we want to follow. And then when we do, we want to pursue whatever teaching and whatever lessons it is that he wants to give us. So let's move on now to John 13, verse 12. Jesus had finished washing their feet, And he had taken his garments and sat down again. And then he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say it well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And most assuredly I say to you, A servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. 
So here we get into these verses now where this concept of servant leadership really begins to get rolled out by Jesus. Let's talk about the act of washing the feet for a minute, because there is a lot of background context that we need to draw from. First of all, this idea of washing someone's feet uh, was an Eastern custom. It was a practice at that time. However, this is very important to note, it was only a task that was performed by the lowliest of servants in the household. So when guests would show up and they'd been traveling and their feet were dirty from the journey and however they'd come along, the servants, the lowly servants of the house would come and they would wash the feet of the guests. Normally, if there were no servants around, then it didn't happen and it would happen before supper time. Why is that important? Because first of all, peers did not wash each other's feet. Uh, if they saw themselves, let's say, as equal to, then this would not be a task that they would consider performing. And they certainly wouldn't consider doing that if they felt like they were in any way above someone else by way of social rank or status, right? And, and that's not an uncommon thing even in our world today. There are people who think that they are above certain things, there are people who think certain tasks or jobs are very menial and that they would never want to get their hands dirty doing that. They're too good for that. And the disciples really, in a way, they're kind, they kind of think that way about this feet washing experience until Jesus comes along. You see, he just takes this whole mindset that they have and he flips it on its end upside down. Right? Jesus is the master. If anybody's supposed to be getting their feet washed by the perspective of the disciples, it's him. They should be washing his feet. Right? We know that evidence by Peter's reaction. What are you doing, Lord? What are you thinking washing my feet? And Jesus says, you're going to understand in a minute what I'm trying to teach you. And then from the verses that we just read, he goes on to say, I am setting an example for you. Don't you love that? Jesus is setting an example. He's saying, I know how you think this works. I know how you've been brought up to view yourself in certain ranks or to look down on certain types of tasks, but I'm trying to explain and show you right now that that's not the way it works in the kingdom. And the way I know how to best get that lesson across to you is for me, the master, the teacher, to get down and serve you and to do a task that's considered so lowly, there's probably not another more menial job that any servant could have than washing the feet of the people around them. And Jesus gets down there and he does that. He's obviously showing great concern for them understanding the true meaning of servanthood. You see, he's compelling them. What I'm doing for you I'm, I'm challenging you now to go and do it for one another. Uh, he's basically saying that this is the way that I want you to go about living and serving and the, the way that I want you to go about leading. And look, there are 
beliefs and thoughts that I think all of us probably have had at times that we need to deal with, that need to really be just a spirit of self-righteousness or entitlement or anything that would come along to say, I'm better than, or I'm above this, or I'm too good for this, or I, I shouldn't have to do that, that that type of spirit needs to just be crushed on its head, right? Anything that people would say, oh, that's too degrading or undignified, I wouldn't be caught doing that. I wouldn't want to be seen doing that kind of work or doing that kind of serving, and, uh, and Jesus is just getting to the heart of the matter. He's saying, no, no, no. In the lowliest form of serving is actually the way that you're going to make the most amount of impact and have the most kind of influence in your leadership for me. So I'll say it this way. We have to get beyond any of these ideas or thoughts uh, that there's anything that would be that we would be too good for or that we would be above. Servant leadership is the only way. And think about this. The idea of washing feet, it may seem like a degrading thing to us for a person to come down to a level to do something like that. But I promise you, if you think about this, there is absolutely no comparison and, and the level of coming low that we would do to perform a task like this compared to the level of coming down that Jesus did to demonstrate this act for us. Frankly, the idea of him coming off of the throne in the heavens and coming down to become uh, flesh and then getting on his hands and knees and washing the feet of his disciples, I don't think we can even comprehend the gap and the exchange that, came, that went on there for Jesus to come down to a place like that. And he says, it's good for me to do this to show you and teach you a lesson for how you're going to lead in the kingdom. Sacrificing status for servanthood in order to find real influence for Jesus. Sacrificing perceived dignity in the world for relevance in the kingdom. These are the things that Jesus is calling us to. Let's read of another story in Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27. The disciples bickered over which one of them would be considered the greatest in the kingdom. Jesus interrupted their argument saying, The kings and men of authority in this world would rule oppressively over their subjects, claiming that they do it for the good of the people. They are obsessed with how others see them. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a different model. The greatest one among you will live as one called to serve others without honor. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for those who, for the one who has a servant's heart. There it is, the great ones serve right there. The leaders who are served are the most important in your eyes, but in the kingdom, it is the servants who lead. Am I not here with you as one who serves? Wow, this is powerful stuff, folks. I hope that this is speaking to you today. Jesus is saying leadership in the kingdom happens by way of serving. 
servant leadership. It's the only kind. He says it clearly. In the world, you think the leaders are the ones who have people serving them. I'm telling you, in the kingdom, the real leaders are the ones who go about serving others, and that is how they gain their influence, and that is how they lead people. We know that Jesus himself demonstrated that perfectly. And so if, if I'm wanting to be a leader, and I'm wanting to have influence, I'm wanting to have impact, I want my life to make a difference in this world for God, I hope you can see this. It's, it's unquestionable. We cannot attain or achieve the level of fulfillment in our purpose and destiny that Jesus wants us to go to if we don't have the heart of a servant. Maybe you are trying to lead right now or trying to uh, take on more responsibility, more impact, more influence in whatever realm or area it might be. It could be in your household with your family, going to a new level of leadership there. And influence could be in your workplace, maybe in the church community, maybe in your local community, a number of places. But if we're struggling and it's it's there's resistance and there's difficulty, we're trying to step into this new place, but there's something that's just not working or clicking. I want to challenge you to ask the question: Am I looking through the eyes of a servant leader? You see, many times we will be focused on accomplishment and progress, achievement, getting things done. Hey, those things matter. They're important. I would never neglect that. But I do want to tell you that those things do not outweigh having the heart of a servant. We could try to be as productive as we want, but there will be something missing in our leadership if we are not going about it through the heart of a servant leader. The last thing I want to say is in John chapter 13, verse 17, what we read earlier. I want to go back to that, and I want to read it in a different translation that I think will help open up or draw out part of the text here uh, that is helpful in this lesson that we're talking about today. Jesus says, if I speak to you timeless truth, a servant is not superior to his master, And an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. So now put into practice what I have done for you, and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. So are you getting it? Are you ready for it? Here's the revelation. We tend to think that there would be joy found in being served, right? Being a leader that a bunch of people would be serving and coming to to meet their needs. That's kind of looking at it through the world's eyes. But Jesus is saying, if you get a hold of this and you realize that you are actually going to have greater influence as a servant than trying to be served, then what he's also saying in these verses is, you will tap into a level of joy and fulfillment that you can never reach if you're thinking about being served yourself. There's a new level of joy. There's a new place of fulfillment and excitement and passion that our purpose and calling can take us into when we begin to pursue it through the heart of a servant. This servant leadership idea of having greater impact uh, and influence, it reminds me of a story that I read not long ago. And it was about a coach, a lacrosse coach, actually from a college 
and he took over this job, and the team that he was coaching was not a very good team. They had had quite a few years of a losing streak, uh, but there was a bright spot in the coach's new year that he was coming into. There was a student that was in, in high school, a senior, that was predicted to be one of the best lacrosse athletes that they had ever seen. And he had his eye on this college that Coach Brubaker was his name, uh, had just got his job at. It was a young 17-year-old kid. And so Coach Brubaker went down to recruit this kid and scout him out and offer him a scholarship. And uh, the young 17-year-old man refused to sign the scholarship at the beginning of the year. And he didn't want to make any firm commitments, even though he kind of had his eye on this school. And that's really where he knew he was probably going to go. And so the coach said, okay, well, this scholarship will be waiting for you in the spring. The thing is, this kid had a lot of other better schools, more competitive colleges that were seeking him out, actually. And so throughout the course of the year, scouts came and they watched him play game after game, tons of activity around this. And at the end of the year, the kid had an amazing senior year uh, in lacrosse. And then he sat down with Coach Brubaker at the end of the season in this following spring, and he signed the contract for the full scholarship to go to this school. Well, after it was all done, Coach Brubaker said, I, I, I just have to understand this. If you knew you were going to come to this school all along, why did you wait to sign the agreement? Why did you wait to secure the scholarship that was offered to you at the beginning of the year so you knew you had it? And the response of this 17-year-old young man, to me, demonstrates what servant leadership really looks like in the world environment today, where it's what it's lacking. Here's what he said. He said, well, coach, I thought a lot about it, and I knew that that scholarship would uh, be better for me to secure for myself at the beginning of the year. But I also realized something else. And if you've noticed, and I'm sure you did, there were a lot of scouts and a lot of recruiters that came to every one of the games that we played this year. And they got a chance to watch me play. He said, but what they also got a chance to do was watch my teammates play. He said, because I knew that none of my teammates were getting recruited and getting scouted or being offered scholarships, but I knew that there was a tremendous amount of talent around me. So when I held out and didn't sign that scholarship, that was the only reason that all of those recruiters and scouts came to every one of the games all year long. If I would have signed in the beginning, they wouldn't have even bothered. But they came all year long, and as a result of that, my teammates got recruited, they got scouted, and now a bunch of them are receiving scholarships to other schools. You see, that's what servant leadership looks like. It can be a lot of different things in a lot of different places in our lives, but the heart of a servant leader is willing to look out for the people that they have influence with. It's willing to put those people first and in front of their own needs in order to serve them with the heart of Christ. And I think that's the lesson that we need today. The world needs effective leaders 
We need godly leaders. And Jesus' model is the only model that will work for those who are citizens of the kingdom. We can't go another way and step into the fulfillment of the promises that Jesus has planned for us. It's the key to advancing the kingdom through our lives, is to going about it through servant leadership. And so I just want to close by asking you today, is this an area that perhaps you've overlooked? Have you been pursuing impact and influence? Has God taken you to a new level and you're excited and you're stepping into it? But are there some things that are just not quite falling into place the way you had hoped that they would? Certainly could be a number of reasons for that. But perhaps is it that God might just need to do a little bit of work in our heart around how we're going about this purpose, this task that he's setting us to, to be a servant leader in the way we pursue that, looking for ways to serve and not be served. Or maybe you have a fresh fire and excitement in you to start pursuing a new level of impact, a new level of accountability and responsibility. Man, it's so important that you get a hold of this lesson right now before you begin heading down that journey, that we are going to be most effective in the kingdom of God when we go about everything we do as servants. And servants gain influence in a way that nobody else can. That's the heart of Jesus right there. I'll say it one more time as I've said it in the beginning. The great ones serve. Jesus makes it clear. You want to be great in the kingdom? Because they were arguing and bickering about it, right? You want to be great in the kingdom? I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to be the greatest servant. That's what it takes to be great in the kingdom of God. And I just want to close by inviting you to join me in prayer today. Lord, I just ask right now that you would help each and every one of us come to a new place in our heart of servanthood. Lord, that you just do a deep work of humility in us, that if there be any kind of self-righteous spirit, any sense of being above or better than or, or being outranking some task or other people, Lord, that you just crush that thing right now, that you just upend that thing and turn it on its head and uproot that from our lives, that there just be a pure spirit of humility and servanthood in everything that we do and how we go about serving you and advancing your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for joining us today, and if you feel that you want to take steps forward in your walk with God, growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe you have questions about the Christian faith and what you need to do to really surrender your heart to God and begin walking with Him. We want to help you do that. We want to connect with you. Right now, you can just pray that God would, would, would just come and fill you with His Spirit forgive you of any past sins, surrender your heart to him, confess him as Lord and Savior. And as the Bible says, God will make you a new creation. But there's a walk and a life of destiny and purpose that's to be lived out. And here at Life Church X, we want to raise up game changers. We want to help you walk in your God-given purpose. Connect with us. 
Get to know us and let us help you in this journey that you're on. You need strong biblical community. You need a great local church that you could call home, that you can be raised up in, that your gifts and talents can be developed in, and so that you can become all that God has created you to be. So we would love to connect with you and help you to do that. In closing, may God bless you. May his favor rest upon you. May he be gracious to you, and may he give you peace. I look forward to seeing all of you in person next weekend as we kick off our vision series, and I hope you just have a wonderful rest of your day.